Here comes Melvin to the 25, to the 20, Gordon 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Wisconsin, record-breaking run, Melvin Gordon, 4-0-8. And while there are a lot of fantastic places all across our country to spend a fall weekend, if you were to ask me today if Madison, Wisconsin is the best of all of them, I would borrow from Bono and say, it was Saturday night. Sideline the front court. Snaps off another three. Booked it. Oh, my goodness. Don't wake him up. Taylor's on fire. Welcome to the Bucky Cast, a Badgers podcast by the fans, for the fans, and with the fans, where we will always turn our backs on Minnesota, where we will always appreciate that six foot four, 330-pound pulling guard, and where a 42-40 defensive slugfest in the Cole Center is not ugly. It's a defensive masterpiece in our eyes. Wherever you came from and however you found us, we hope you enjoy your stay and on Wisconsin. Welcome to the Bucky Cast. Justin here with John and Ryan. How are we doing tonight, boys? John? I'm good. I'll take. Oh, sorry. You're going to go, John. Go. So tired. <laughs> yeah. I figured we'd get you out of the way and let Ryan's energy flow into the program. I'm excited. <laughs> like, there's, there's so much football news. The season ended. We just, we're recording uh, this, by the way, everyone listening, this is going to be a Big show. We have some football news, people coming in the draft, people staying. Uh, We're recording right after Wisconsin went into West Lafayette and just dumped the number three team in the country. Um, So, yeah, we got a big show today. We have football, basketball, and a bunch of news. I'm good. As my son would say, let's go. (laughs) Let's get it. (laughs) All right, let's get to the news and notes. Or actually, no, stop. What you boys drinking tonight? What you boys drinking tonight? Let's let's leave this off. Uh, Ryan, you can go ahead and tell us. Okay. I got I'm just finishing up some holiday stuff. I'm actually trying to be a little better in the new year, um, but I'm only three days in, so it hasn't gone perfect yet. Um, this is a keg nog, it's a milkshake IPA. I think I had this before with you guys. It's you got did. vanilla and lactose and milkshake stuff in it. So that's what I got. Uh, so boring. Um <laughs> All right. Then. I have uh I have uh from Do- our friends at Dovetail Bring in uh Chicago, I have their Hella's Lager, uh which, you know, tasty every there's no bad time to drink a Hellas. And so I I saw it at Woodman's. I said I got to grab that cuz we stopped there and those guys are awesome. Uh and to follow that sucker up, I'm going to go with uh City Lights Brewing, which is in Milwaukee. Uh, over by um, American Family Field or whatever they're calling it now. Miller Park, folks. Miller Park. And uh, it's a coconut porter. So I'm going to, it's that time of year when coconut porters are popping up all over the place. Dessert beers, as I like to call them. And uh, so I'm going to give that a try after this one. You may want to sprinkle in a Red Bull somewhere in between. Yeah. <laughs> you are, or we'll give you an adrenaline shot. <laughs> i'm i may fall asleep during this podcast so just if there's a loud snoring noise it's me someone just someone just uh shout really loud and i'll wake up it's gonna be like a news report send it to john folks, <laughs> just I, gonna be down on his folks, I, I'll, I'll level with you right now i slept through three quarters of that wisconsin purdue game because i just needed it and uh so these guys are gonna have to carry me through Anyway, what are you drinking? I am drinking the finest in 
propel fitness water. The artificial grape flavor is definitely not, you know, as much as what I had hoped for, but um, I'm getting over a cold. Good for you. So I'm trying to stay hydrated. My throat's been a little messed up the last few days, and I figured alcohol is probably not going to help that. Or it's going to kill the germs that caused your cold. I That seems doubtful. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> on to news and notes. All right. I'm going to normally this is John's thing, but he's he's feeling a little under the weather, sleepy, I think. So um, we're going to kick it off first. What are we doing anyway? Where are we? We're doing news and notes, John. (laughs) That's the next (laughs) part of the show. (laughs) Don't I usually do that? Yeah. I think we talked about this before the show. Um, You were a little tired and I have this spreadsheet in front of me. Um, So the first one, let's talk about. We have three Badger football players either moving on or staying that we have not talked about. So going to the NFL, cornerback Fayon Hicks and inside linebacker Leo Chanel. Staying, coming back for another year at Madison, is left tackle Tyler Beach. Um, thoughts, guys? Um, I, I feel like Hicks is going to be a guy who probably goes undrafted, in all honesty, from an F, from an F, uh Raw athleticism standpoint, I mean, he's he's a little lacking in skill set. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody picks him up as possibly like a nickel corner. Um, he's a little on the smaller side, so I wouldn't be shocked if somebody wants to try that with him. It's just that from measurable standpoint, he's not a guy that's going to wow him. Um, but I think he ends up on somebody's practice squad probably for a little bit at least. Um, as far as Chanel, man. I, you watch his film and there, there are definitely some things he needs to work on and that I think I could really hurt him in terms of his draft stock, his, his ability in the pass game. It, he's a great pass rusher, but he really gets taken advantage of right now. And especially a couple of those games where it's like the awareness is going to show up or we got eaten alive by a few tight ends. That's something that he's going to have to answer for. And he's going to have to prove that that's not going to happen at the pro level because those end up being 30 yard gains in the NFL. Uh, yeah, Fayon Hicks um, never did anything like special at Wisconsin. He was hugely the number one cornerback, although I think Caesar Williams pretty much supplanted him this year. Um, so I, yeah, like uh, like Justin said, I'm pretty sure this is going to wind up being an undrafted free agent sort of thing. You never know. You never know. Um, Leo Chanel is probably going to be a two down linebacker, at least to start off in the NFL. He's just, he's so big uh, and he doesn't move well in pass coverage that I, unless they move an outside linebacker sort of position, um, I have a hard time seeing him uh, playing every down as a middle linebacker in the NFL. Nonetheless, I mean, Leo Chanel is still an absolute jackhammer against the run. And yeah. he'll completely disrupt everything you do at the line of scrimmage. So there's a place for Leo Chanel in the NFL. I think he honestly will end up getting moved to to a rush outside linebacker because well, he's, he's so not short for that for that. He position. is, but he's so freakishly strong that I think he's one of the few guys that can probably get away with it because he comes with so much pop on a guy that if he gets into him, they're, he's going to rock him. The only issue, and not to make this into a draft show because we'll have one of those later. Um, a lot of NFL tackles are six, six with long arms yeah. and you don't get into them. Like they, they make true. a living yeah, keeping you off of them. Um, I will say this with, with, especially with Chanel. Um, I was intensely sad to see he was gone only because watching Leo Chanel play football is a lot of fun. 
It is. And it is. It is absolute. There's there's very few things more enjoyable than watching him hit a fullback in the hole and just seeing this. <laughs> this fullback it's crumble. like a little nuclear collision. Um, <laughs> with Beach, Beach is kind of interesting, and I just want to touch on him quickly. I think you guys. I have nothing else to add on fan Hicks. I think you guys nailed Hicks. Um, Beach is interesting because there was kind of a 50-50 split with Badger fans. I mean, there's we all know there's a lot of four and five star young offensive linemen on the that haven't played. Beach coming back, there's a bit of an assumption that he's going to be given one of those roles. Um, just my personal standpoint, they'll kick it to you guys. I am told I like it. Like you can't have too much depth. Um, Beach is a guy who played hurt this year. I think he's better than he showed. I think he's going to come back motivated to put good film on 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 tape. You know, he's he's obviously coming back to improve his NFL stock. He's a good player. He received some some all Big Ten, especially before the season. To me, it's just going to you know iron sharpens iron. It just makes the competition that much more fierce. And if he if we want one of these young guys to play, they they got to beat him out. And if they beat him out, it's win win. We have a better backup behind him now. So that's where gonna, I'm at on Beach. I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Ryan. Uh, I, I feel like Tyler Beach is sort of acting like a cork in a bottle. Uh, there's just so much talent behind him at the offensive tackle spot. It's like, well, great. Now he bring back another tackle, a tackle who wasn't very good last year for whatever reason that might be. Um, a lot of it in the beginning of the year was probably due to his injury in camp. Uh, there, there are enough players Wisconsin has who play well at offensive tackle. I feel like it stunts their development to bring back a guy who's honestly not all that. Um, he was a solid right tackle. He's not a left tackle. I think I said this back in the spring when we found out they were moving him to left tackle. It's just not his position. He could almost pass as a guard because he's only six foot five. And I mean, Wisconsin's got oodles of six foot six and taller offensive tackles that they can throw out there. He's a downgrade athletically from the other like, yeah, three guys so, that we have at that spot. I mean, uh, if it, those guys if it haven't winds, proven anything yet. True. If it winds up being a seniority thing and he gets to play regardless, I mean, that's, that's gotta be disheartening to guys like Logan Brown and uh, Tanner Bordellini who are trying to make their mark when they have, you know, only a couple of years of eligibility left. And I, I, I didn't like it. I realized Tyler beach has his own interest in like trying to, you know, create NFL draft stock for himself because he clearly has none. Uh, right now, he was so bad in pass pro this year that he was almost turned still. And so I, I get why he's coming back. I just I, I, I wish he was get coming back. I hate saying this for another team that needs help at offensive tackle and has a thin bench. I'd rather, you know, you'd always rather have three years of one guy than another year of another guy who's had a chance and just hasn't proven himself. I mean. To, to jump in on that and uh, kind of coattail a little bit, it's possible that it happens yet. He could have spring practice and end up leaving if he finds out that's that he's just true. not going to do it. And I, I think that's a possibility. If if we get another, you know, hopefully whoever takes over, and, and we'll get to this news piece in a second, but it's the offensive line job. Yeah. Yep. Whoever gets the offensive line job comes in and is just like, I'm going to take it from scratch. I'm going to evaluate what I see. And that's what I want to see. I do not want somebody to look at this and be like, well, he's played a bunch. Well, yeah, but this last year he really didn't play well. And I I legitimately think that if Brown had been out there playing, we would have had similar results, if not better, because I think he would eventually have grown into it. There was a lot of experience for him to have gained there. Um, whereas Beach kind of had his reps in already. You know, he kind of was what he was for the most part. I mean, he got healthier as the year went on, but he had limitations. I mean, to both your points, he, he did not play as well as he was expected to this year. 
My only counterpoint to this, and I'll leave it at this, is the the young guys that we keep referencing on the bench, there is no automatic four or five star recruit that pans out every time. Like we actually don't know if they're if they're really good football players yet, is what I would say. We, that's very true, but we, we saw Beach this year and we don't know that he'll be a great football player next year either, especially if they give him that left tackle. Um, athletically, if we go from raw tools, I think you can say there's probably at least three guys that, that have an edge on him there. So it's while they fair. may not be, you know, have the reps in and the technique and everything quite as tight, they also have some upside that he doesn't have there. Right, I don't let's, think let's, Tyler Beach. I don't think Tyler Beach returning is going to be the difference that makes Wisconsin a better football team. No, I love that. No, but I mean, more depth is always important, which is a segue to our next segment of news and notes. Um, we did Wisconsin did add two players in the transfer portal uh, today. Actually, just January third is when we're recording this. They added a cornerback from Toledo, um, Justin Clark, 5'11", 165 pound. He's coming in as a senior. Uh, he's a connection to. Hank Petit, the Wisconsin cornerbacks coach who coached at Toledo. And they are also adding Arkansas kicker Vito Calvaruso, who is a sophomore. Uh, Calvaruso is not much of a, a field goal kicker per se, but he is a kickoff specialist, set Arkansas record for touch touchback percentage, um, 85.1%, which is the fifth best in FBS history. So Wisconsin He's an Italian added, kicker, so I feel like we've, we've got struck gold there. So Wisconsin yep. had two guys, a senior cornerback, which looks like a depth move, and a sophomore kicker who has a, a huge leg but does not have field goal experience. Um, thoughts, guys? Um, for Justin Clark, uh, he was a second-team All-Mac pick. Realizing that, you know, this isn't going to blow anybody's socks off, that he transferred in, this is still a good move for Wisconsin. I feel like he can play at at least a solid level. And that's what Wisconsin needs in the secondary right now. He's also extremely old. I mean, he was in the, he's from the 2016 recruiting class. So this will be his seventh year of eligibility. Is he really? Yes. How did that happen? So he must have an injury. He he had an injury. He missed all, he redshirted and then missed all of 2019 with an injury. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, yeah, he, we're getting a very experienced defensive back. We'll see how he meshes in that secondary. He's going to be battling Dean Ingram, Alex Smith, and, uh, you know, a host of others for That's a cornerback the, uh, spot. Dante Carrier-Williams class of cornerbacks, the 2016 <laughs> class. <laughs> well, Dante Carrier-Williams still has seven years of eligibility. Remaining, ACW. So. Uh, I, so. I honestly have seen no film on him, so I have no real insight other than the fact that 165 seems a tad light for a guy you want playing corner in, in the Big Ten. That may not be accurate. That's what I saw as a listed weight, but he's okay. probably bigger than that. Okay. Yeah, if he's 175 or even a little higher, I'm sure that'd be fine. I mean, depth Calver- matters. So, Calvaruso um, is the guy that actually, honestly, I'm more excited about because he's the kickoff specialist in Wisconsin, direly, direly needed a guy who can boom the ball through yeah, the end zone. His touchback rate is way up there. It's like 80% or something like Eight, that, isn't it? Yeah, if you would have listened to my my intro there, 85.1%, yeah. fifth best in FPS history and an Arkansas record. Now, they are putting him on full scholarship, which makes sense because he's transferring in. It's rare for Wisconsin to use a scholarship on a guy to, to, to basically kick touchbacks for now. But, but also has a shot at kicking the longer field yeah. goals, which we – 
also desperately, desperately needed considering our kicker missed a 48 yarder this year due to lack of range. Yeah, give it all he That's, got. You know, Connor Larsh had a good year, but he he's he's really good from 40 and in. And after that, it's sort of like, you know, how strong is his leg today? Because he might make it from 45. All right. I think anything else on the, the two incoming transfers? No, I, I think okay. we're good there. So let's move on to the last kind of big news news item from football. And John and I had a show where we we talked about this just a little bit with Coach Rudolph uh, and the rumors, but that's been confirmed now. Coach Rudolph is heading to Virginia Tech to be their offensive line coach and run game coordinator. That has been confirmed. Um, the corresponding move from Wisconsin hasn't been announced yet, so we're not going to dive too deep into this. But um, it, this did just happen, so we did want to mention and talk about it a little bit. Guys, what are your thoughts on, on Coach Rudolph heading out east? Um. I, I love what he gave to Wisconsin. He was a heck of a recruiter. Um, honestly, I, I will be, I'll, I'll be frank with my view on him as a, a line coach. I, I think with the level of talent that we had, I, I would have liked a little bit more, but I mean, he was a great tight end coach while he was here. He gave a lot to the program. The guy's been around. He was a great player for Wisconsin and I appreciate everything he gave to us. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard being the, offensive line coach at Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to be held to a standard that is, I need to be one of the elite offensive line coaches in the country because that's the reputation that we have. Yeah. He, um, he suffered greatly uh, first from the 2018 season when Wisconsin had the, the sports illustrated cover curse on their offensive line. That was supposed to be one of the best offensive lines ever, at least the best in the country for that year. And it was not due to a variety of, of things. Uh, following that, you know, Wisconsin righted the ship a little bit in 2019. And then in 2020, he got offensive coordinator duties. And Wisconsin's offense, you know, obviously was not very good. And Joe Rudolph, as a result, got a demotion. He himself, uh, we, we found this out yesterday, or today, I'm sorry, from reading a, a Wisconsin State Journal article. Uh, he suggested that he take a pay cut. Uh, to go back to being run game coordinator and offensive line coach. And uh, that's how, that's how selfless Joe Rudolph is and how, you know, how much he, how much he loves the Wisconsin football program. I mean, he's an alumni, won a Rose Bowl in 93. As, as uh, Justin said, he was tight ends coach here back in the Brett Bielema era moved on to the NFL, came back and was the offensive coordinator at Pittsburgh with Paul Chris before coming here. And, um, you know, it was, it, it was time. Uh, fans had just had gotten really, really down on, on Joe Rudolph. The offensive lines were not playing up to, to people's expectations. Um, you know, I had my criticisms of Joe Rudolph. I did not like his offensive line shuffling that he did in spring and fall camps where everybody played every position. Uh, I thought that it was too much. Uh, his rotation at the beginning of the year drove me nuts. But that being said, it's not like Joe Rudolph is an incompetent. And Virginia Tech's going to get a, a really good offensive line coach and a really good recruiter, which is where this is really hurts Wisconsin. Uh, Carson Hinsman's decision is coming sooner rather than later. And I have a feeling that Wisconsin, whatever chance they had is pretty much it's gone now yeah. with Joe Rudolph leaving. And that, it that sucks. 
Um, but that's that's where we're at now. I'm, you know, we've heard the all the rumors that are floating around, um, mostly involving Bob Bostad being the new offensive line coach, which I think is probably going to be the move here based on any everything we've heard. Um, other names were bandied about, uh, including uh, strangely Josh Oglesby, um, everyone's favorite nice guy who, you know, was the highest rated recruit ever at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But it's probably going to wind up being Bostad in the end. And this is going to create a domino effect. You know, can Bob Bostad recruit offensive linemen as well as Joe Rudolph did? Probably uh, not. To uh, just to just <laughs> yeah, be honest, because we have we have a bit of a track record with with you know Bostad. Like he he didn't when he was here as the offensive line coach before. That well, being his said, de- his development was off the. Charts, that being so. said, like the guys that he recruited that were three or four stars also played up to a certain point. I mean, some of this. So I, one of the things I, I mentioned talking to some guys is like, I this is not about dancing on Joe Rudolph's grave at all. Like, there's a sometimes there's a point where you just have to make changes. Like, it doesn't mean he's a bad coach, a bad guy. He was a hell of a badger, right? Like, yes. everyone acknowledges that. And part of the reason this offensive line job is going to be so enticing for someone, whether it's an internal or an external hire, is there is covered as stock talent like bursting out of the pipes here. And that's in large part to root, you know, Rudy, and he's going to go and he's going to get a new opportunity at a really good program. But I, I think the flip side of this is, and Rudy actually mentioned this. He, he put a tweet out when he's leaving, just kind of thanking everybody. He really mentioned something that I really hope and pray this can be win-win for both sides. And I think that's where we're at. I think the offense is a little stagnant. I think it needs a little new blood and it's not just on Rudy. I'm be super clear, but. I feel like it. This could be something that could be win-win, but it's also if we are if we're being honest, this it's there's no guarantee you replace him with a coach of a higher caliber or, or even an equal caliber. You know, like yeah, it's, he's it's a been very, a while since uh, Bob Bostad coached offensive correct. line. So I think and, I do think, and his players hated him, but they got to the NFL. Yeah, until <laughs> yeah. yeah. they until they became all pros. Right. So <laughs> I mean, we're gonna have more on this. We don't want to dive too deep because we don't know what the dominoes are. Um, but we did want to bring it up and really, you know, kind of show some appreciation for a coach and alumni who gave a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and time to the University of Madison. So. Um, that's kind of the, the point of that, I think. All right, let's move on to the big news of today, considering this just happened. Um, University of Wisconsin men's basketball team went to West Lafayette. We mentioned in the beginning, beat the number three team in the country, 74 to 69, in a, a thrilling back and forth gutty game. Um, John missed a few minutes of it, but Justin and I were texting during. Uh, Justin, you're, you're still coming down from the euphoria of that one. Brad <laughs> Davison's actually first ever win in West Lafayette in his uh, 19-year Badger career. You can make so. that <laughs> remark for yeah, you can make that remark for a lot of Badger players. So um, I'm pretty sure Greg yes. Gard, I, I think that's his first win in West Lafayette. We were, what they say we were mistaken. four and 46 or something like that. Yes. A it's place ridiculous. To win. Um it, let's let's yeah what is coming down off the euphoria the win Justin now uh where are you at on this? Well first of all uh Johnny Davis putting himself squarely in the top 10 probably with this game because this is the type of game that NBA guys go back and look and say, what does he do against other guys that are NBA players? Well, Jaden Ivey is an NBA player, and he absolutely ate his lunch this entire game. He just – you can tell there's there's sometimes you have a guy who's like, I'm going to prove it. Davis is one of those guys. Like, he wants to go out there and he wants to destroy you. You know, and he he went out there and he he knew he had to carry this team, and he did it. And he did it. He actually did it fairly well with it. Like 
he had struggles in the last game against Ohio State where he was forcing things. He was pretty well smooth in the system in this game. Like he really didn't do that this time around as much. And I was I was honestly happy with it. And he scored in a variety of ways. He's the beauty of watching Davis play is he's not a high, he's not a guy who needs the ball, which is something that NBA coaches are going to love because they'll come off screens. He's a guy who can score in a variety of ways, cutting to the hoop and doing all these little things that don't require him to be ball dominant in order to be able to be out there and play and be effective. And he was just a man amongst boys. And what do you have? He had he ended with 37 points, 14 rebounds, three assists, two blocks, and two steals in this game. That's like insane. Unbelievable performance. That's that's one of the best individual badger performances I've seen in a long time. I mean, I'm not gonna go out and limit say it's the best, but it's the way he got for large periods of the game, zero help. I mean, for a while, it was literally just Davis. And mm-hmm. Purdue would come down to throw it in. They would get a shot off a, off a corner bucket. I mean, they were, Purdue had a more balanced attack. And then Wisconsin come down and just be Davis. Davis mid-range, Davis three, Davis in transition, Davis post-up, Davis offense rebound, Davis with a steal. His game was so dominant. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't help but watch this game and say, there's one alpha, not just yeah. on the Wisconsin team, on the entire on the court. court. Yeah. Like he, he, was he was an NBA player tonight playing with a bunch of college kids. Unbelievable. The uh the three he hit to put them up by five oh. was a dagger. And Killer. he just it was it was a shot that a Wisconsin player normally just doesn't hit where you go, why did you shoot that? And he just buried it. And I was it, you could almost see the air deflate out of Purdue when he hit it. When when I was watching this game at the end, and what my exact thought that went through my head is this is the what happens to the Badgers normally. This guy comes into the court and we have a game where we're up and he ends up taking over the game late in the game and, and we lose because that's been the history of Wisconsin. We don't have guards like this. We have the guards that come and torch us. And Johnny Davis did tonight what we've seen every other fan base enjoy doing to us that, that has that Henderson hyper-athletic guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're, the, you know, the really cool thing with Davis, and it's very likely, unless he wants to stay in Madison, it's very likely he's going to be a lottery pick and he's going to be – gone after this year uh deserved by the way unless he wants to stick around the very cool thing with davis is the growth we've seen he is his growth as a passer has been astounding he's the best passer on the team i I, I think he's a better passer than chucky hepburn like he he draws so much attention and he's so freaking unselfish the pass he threw behind Edie's back in this game incredible crowl was just like the second he turned his head he threw it and it's like that's that's like serious nba stuff right there he Guys also, in college don't do that. We were we were talking um, right before this, and I, I had brought up the question, you know, a year ago, if we had had a buy-sell, Johnny Davis looked like a lottery, a top 10 lottery pick in the NBA draft. We all said that we would have sold. Mm. I mean, he looked nothing like this a year ago when he was coming off the bench. Oh. He just he was just sort of a dunker and a high-energy guy. I, I brought and, up right oh, – go ahead. And now, you know, you see the complete game from him. He's, he's just mm. absolutely taken over the team. This is his team. He's a monster. Nobody else. And you would have thought, oh, this will be Brad Davison's team. No, it's not. Brad Davison is running a distinct second yeah. to uh, Johnny Davis in terms of leadership. He's just the heart and soul of the team. By the way, really quick, and then I know Justin, you have something you want to jump in. I just, because you mentioned Brad Davidson. Thank God that dude came back. Yeah. Like yes. he, he provides such a he's steady a secondary. Yeah presence stabilizing right? forces a secondary and score he's also the type of dude this is this is the type of not to take any shots at last year's seniors um 
But I don't know if they're the type of dudes who could take a step back and let Davis take over. Davidson is the type of dude who just wants to win. We, For all we heard foibles, that is, that's exactly what the right. part of the issue was, is they didn't want to, they were struggling with him coming in. But for all his foibles, because people get on Brad Davidson for, for a lot of reasons, some kind of legit, some not. But for all of his foibles, that dude just wants to win. And he has no issues letting Davis have all the limelight. Oh, I mean, that's that, it's, it's hats off to him. Sorry, that was and, my oh, yeah. And when we have. Well, that's what I was going to say is this, this is the guy, this is what I was picturing. If, if Davison came back, this is what I wanted him to be. I didn't want him stepping on toes. I wanted him to fill in and be the glue that kind of holds the team together. And that's effectively what he's been. He hits big shots when they need him. He's been effective. He has not dominated the ball or anything like that in these games. He just makes heady plays. And the, the other thing point I was going to make is you, you brought up that last year. when I said, if you had asked me in the beginning of this season, even with him playing really well, if he had had a game like he had tonight against a top three opponent, I, I wouldn't have figured him to be able to put up this kind of game. This is a type of game that you see one or two players a season make. I, mm-hmm. This is a freak show game against a top opponent. Yeah, this and to, to top to top it all off, uh, a win against number three Purdue, who's probably the best team in the Big Ten period. I Now Ohio State might have a little debate for that, but um, – to, to beat them in Mackey where you never win. Uh, if, unless there's a complete collapse, I'm going to knock on some wood here. Unless the Badgers have some sort of complete collapse, they're in the NCAA tournament. They've, they've stocked their uh, shelves full of quality wins. And this is just a keystone mm-hmm. to that, to that whole point. They should be ranked higher than 24th in the country. Wisconsin well, with their resume. <laughs> they will be. They're a top 15 team. But with their I, resume, I let me, let's, I, let's, Get off Johnny Davis for just – actually, you know what? Hold on one second because I, I was looking at Twitter and I had a couple ones to give you quick. Um, this is off Johnny Davison. This is this is Johnny Johnny Davis, sorry, off Twitter. Jim Polzine, Davis is putting on a show. He keeps making jumps. Jeff Gold, Good, Goodman, which is one of the, the national college basketball writers. Johnny Davis is the national player of the year, top 10 easily. Um, Zach Showalter said this bad man can't be stopped. Like he, People know now. People are talking about him. Um, I want to I switch gears a little bit away from – from from Davis though, because there was to me an unsung hero in this game too. I thought Chris Vote, I thought Vote battled so hard on a on a wobbly leg because he he fell awkwardly, limped off the game. He had six points, five rebounds, had unbelievable stretches of defense where he was tasked with basically being the only big man in the game while Crowell had foul trouble. What a big pickup for a guy that coming into the year we really didn't have huge expectations for. Against I, Zach Eady, who is you hmm. know Frankenstein's monster of a player, he vote vote <laughs> played him as he well played, as you can played, play. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you're not the only way you can truly defend him is by putting another seven foot four player on. You got to mm-hmm. put somebody with equal size because he's just too big. Mm-hmm. The other point I was gonna make, I was gonna I was gonna say vote yes, but I was also gonna say Chucky played really well in this game. He his defense was excellent in this game, and he made it some nice plays, including that that driving layup and that three-pointer, which they really needed at a big time. Um, but let's yeah. face it, Wisconsin's front court, they had to get some bench minutes because uh, they had three, you know, Crowell, Vote, and Tyler Wall all fouled out of this game. Mm-hmm. And against, you know, Edie and Trivion Williams, who's another freakish monster. Yeah. Um, I it, It's really hard to believe. Yeah. There's, there's an element of disbelief and a headiness right now because Wisconsin was – this was a terrible matchup for Wisconsin and they somehow pulled it out 
you know, now that now they'll turn around and lose to a team that they have no business <laughs> losing to. But, sure. you know, the, at the same time, this this team is just beyond any expectations anyone had at the I'm, beginning of the year. I'm going to be honest with a guy like Davis on the team. I don't know how many of those letdown games there's going to be because he's the type well, of I guy hope there's that, none. But, yeah. you know, he, he's I mean, the type of guy that doesn't want he doesn't want somebody to make him look bad. And I think that he's the one of those guys that if I have to put on a show and carry you guys, I'm going to carry you guys. He's he's a total alpha. I mean, this is this is a 12 and one team. If he had been healthy all games, though, mm-hmm. they beat Providence with them. Yeah. By the way, that's a really good Providence team. Um, let's get off the topic. Uh, one more thing I wanted to pivot to in this game, and then I want to see if you guys have anything else. This is another game where Wisconsin shot horribly from three, 25 percent. Um, so I actually want to I want to frame that in a certain way, though. We. Wisconsin went on the road and beat a number three team in the country shooting 25% from the, from the three point line. It's awfully impressive. And, and effectively like, one person being the scoring. Load. So that's where the next issue I'm going to go with though. Davis scored 37. Davidson scored 15. The next high, high, the next high score for Wisconsin was six. Like somebody, I mean, it's hard to expect Superman from Davis every game. We need a little bit more, from somewhere who in your opinion is that guy that needs to step up to be the third scorer? Oh, it's wall. No, hands down as well. And I think the, this, this game is not a bad, is kind of a bad game to, to look at because of the foul trouble. Like normally there's other guys that would carry the load. I think wall can be, he's not going to be a great score. I mean, he's going to be like a 12 point a game guy and probably cap out at like, I mean, he's had some high games this year, but, but you're looking at guys like a, 14 point game for, for, a game. for Tyler wall and the, the, you know, the skill, the level of skill he has 12 points a game is a lot. It is. I mean, that's, that's, he's, he's, not, a, he's not a guy range. who's, he's not a guy who's and, comfortable being a scorer. It's, it's something that he, he can do, but it's not something he really has that, the attitude for. Which is why I, I don't actually think it's wall. I think it's gotta be crowd is my guy. I would like problem it to be, but he needs three to, open he needs the confidence. Yeah, it's true. The, the problem with Crowell is it's almost like because the, the the form is pretty good. He missed his first one, and then the second time down, they swung the ball to him at the top of the key and he didn't shoot it. Right. And you can just tell, like it's not there. Like he's just not well, confident in a shot right now. Well, that's well, what he most and Ben Carlson need to recover their confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben Carlson had a cup of tea this in this game when Wisconsin was really down to Carter Gilmore and nobody else in the front court. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the, the confidence has to come through for some of these young guys. And I'm hoping it does as they get more playing time, but right now they really, it's hard to get that sort of shot opportunities when Johnny Davis is just sinking everything and, uh, you know, whatever he doesn't get is gobbled up by Davison. Mm-hmm. It's just, it it's, one of those things where they, they just don't have the opportunity to do it. Wisconsin knows how its offense is going to work. And it's going to work through those two guys. Is this the most, and I just thought of this question in my head. Um, is this the most one man band Wisconsin team you guys can ever remember basketball wise? Uh, I can't think of another one. Even the Orlando Tucker teams. I, he had more help. Well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe cause you have Davidson. I don't know. Is this, the most singularly focused offensive attack from a Badger team you guys can remember. I was going to say the Orlando so. Tucker years were close. Um, I'm trying to think of something comparable. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, when they had Rashard Griffith, even though, but then they had Mike yeah, Finley, Finley on those yeah. teams too. But Rashard Dwayne, Griffith Dwayne. was sort of a was, <laughs> and yeah, who can forget Dwayne Dwayne? Um, <laughs> yep. 
uh, but you know, Richard Griffith was just sort of he was an unhandleable monster down low back in the days when traditional centers were, you know, the the thing. Um, he, you know, he took a lot of shots away from Finley simply because he was so dominant underneath. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm really having a hard time. I'd have to probably go back into the Steve Yoder era to find a, a team that was this much dominated by one and then secondarily a, a second player. It's, it's really dependent on, and we've seen that when the two games he's missed, Wisconsin just barely beat Nichols State. Mm-hmm. And lost to Providence and probably would have beaten Providence if he had played. So you never know, but six a six point loss without Johnny Davis is looking I better mean, and better and better. I, I don't I, I of, honestly don't with Davis on the court in that game, I don't think it's close. A six Simply point because loss his without defense, Davis. His defense and offense, it's probably a, a solid 15 point swing. If I was just more. gonna say, yeah, jokingly, but I was just gonna say a six point loss with Davis statistically translates to a 37 point win. With Davis, <laughs> how the, the conversion rate actually works. I think I, I want to dispute your math on that, but we don't have the time. All right. Um, do you guys have any? We, we've talked about this game for a while. I'm super stoked about it. Like it just ended. I'm still, they, they're just so gritty. The team, yeah. every time Purdue made a run, by the way, let's give guards some credit too. This is still a young team. Every time Purdue oh, yeah. made a run, Wisconsin was there to blunt it. They're um, getting better. That, this yeah, team's really yeah. fun. Like they're yeah. just so yeah. fun to well, that's watch. I was gonna say this is the most fun I've had watching a team, and now I see what it's like when you have an elite guard on a team to watch them play. Like it, we've never experienced this, and as great as watching well, not, Frank no, and them play, I wouldn't say we've never experienced. No, this. no, no. I mean, an elite guard is what I'm Finley. saying. That's so Finley. Well, you have yeah, to go back. Finley, Finley, Devin, I, Devin I, was, was, I was like yeah. ten years old, and and Harris. Yes, I agree. That's I, fair. Well, we were we were actually bringing that up the Devin Harris versus Johnny Johnny Davis you know, hyperbole there. Um, different, obviously different skill sets, but. But it's been a minute. The scoring, it, yeah, the scoring, yeah, abi- the scoring ability of Johnny's, I think is higher. I think but they're just, Devin they're had just so many so, other things that he did. They're just so gritty. Yeah, they are. I mean, there's this really is the combination of, of, of high caliber defense with the ability to score. And Wisconsin hasn't had that in forever. And, you know, this, you know, the, the great guard haters have fled for the, the exits and are hiding under their seats right now because Wisconsin is, is really lighting it up. Well, this is going to be the toughest matchup for them, I think, probably nationally that there is because they are kind of a small Badger team by our normal standards. Yeah. And, I mean, I think we would say against a faster team, we're a little bit better set up in the guards than we've traditionally been. I, th- I think Chucky's just mm. he's, he's he's one of those guys that kind of hides his speed a little bit like he plays slow and then all of a sudden you see him make a quick quick movement and you're like where's that coming from um kind of Bowman too Bowman has like that slow kind of lazy dribble when he comes up but then you see him turn on turn on the speed and it's like okay we haven't had that much of that um I think we're gonna struggle with teams that can rebound really well kind of like what happened at Ohio State but this team is set up pretty well to, to play with most styles of teams. Hyper athletic teams that can shoot. shoot well are going to be a problem. Imagine if this team just had one shooter. I mean, it's oh yeah, it's silly to go into those talks because every team needs one piece for somewhere, but this it is can why it still happen. They can find somebody can one of these young guys could start getting hot and getting confident, and it can make a big difference. I'm not gonna bet on it, <laughs> but I think Crowell is a guy who the stroke is there. I think there's there's other guys that I'm not sure are gonna play. 
Like, I think Ilver has it. The earlier shots that we saw in the season where people were looking at him like, this guy can't play. is like, he's a young guy who's rushing his shot. Maybe Jordan he's, Davis will be inspired by his brother's play and start to... Uh, he's starting to get more burn, too. He is. Yeah, his, he's defense, little, his defense is getting a little tighter. And he's made some nice rebounds. I like rebounds. his strokes. All right, well, we better, we better jump on a break here quick and then uh, yeah. switch to football. Yep, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll come back and, and discuss the Badgers bowl game against ASU. You're listening to the Bucky Cast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bucky Cast or email the show at thebuckycast at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Bucky Cast. Justin here with John and Ryan. We're now going into our recap of the Badgers. What was our bowl game? The SBS or what was it? SRS. SRS. Distribution. Distribution. Las Vegas. Las Vegas Bowl. I'm sorry. This is what happens when we keep. This is what happens when we start taking bowl names and changing them every year. It used to be like the Holiday Bowl. Now it's the SRS Distribution. Copper Bowl. The good old John Hancock Bowl. Now we have. Honestly, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. This will be the Meineke Muffler Bowl next year. Can I, I? You know what? I don't care as long as they find an interesting mascot. <laughs> up until up until the last hey. few days of, of of the bowl season, the Duke's Mail Bowl has become interesting. <laughs> how many interesting, crazy bowl games were there? The famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Actually, with, that with, that, with, that one with, of the Dukes were the two the highlights with Spuddy Buddy. No, because there was the Cheez It Bowl where they doused the coach in yeah. Cheez Its at the end of the game, I don't and know. they Mayo, had Prince Chedward. Prince Chedward was fantastic. Prince Chedward. That's my kind of guy. A man anyway. of the people. Um, so Wisconsin beat Arizona State 20 to 13. Um, I don't feel like you guys were super excited about that, or at least Justin was super excited about this game. Um, honestly, I love me in with him, man. I was thrilled well, with this. Game. I was also pretty happy with this. I'm glad I'm glad we won the game. We were a significantly better team in this game. And we, I, and it did not show. Yeah, yes, I think we, we were. Were, were we, we Arizona? We, we like we. There is no reason. There is no reason why our running game shouldn't. So work Arizona State, like it did in the second half, didn't work against a team that was missing two of its offensive linemen and or defensive linemen and their best middle linebacker. We were also missing two of our offensive linemen. Yeah, but our, everybody that we had in there had had significant reps this season. Everyone had issues, um, but Arizona State was a team, and I said this, I think, when we were chatting during the bowl game. Uh, I said at no point, even when Wisconsin, when they cut the lead to seven, I was like, I did, just don't feel threatened by Arizona State. The touchdown they scored was the result of a, a freak pass play where they, they got a 50-yard completion, and Hunter Wohler overran the game. <laughs> he really ran right by him. The guy was standing there, and Hunter Wohler just went, whoo, and turned around like, what happened? So um, outside of that, I mean, Arizona State couldn't really do anything. Their offense was entirely Jaden Daniels running the football after the, after the pocket broke down. And even that was kind of was kind of limited. Wisconsin didn't give up any really big scrambles. It was just sort of a, a frustrating a grind. Of, it was it was. Yeah, he was more frustrating than effective. We would end so, up getting him behind the sticks. It would be, you know, second and 13 and then he'd have a 15 yard run. And it's like, really? Yeah. Braylon, Braylon Allen had 150 yards rushing. Wisconsin just, you know, just slowly wore them out. Mm-hmm. And it was it was about the the most Wisconsin way this at least for this year's offense to win a game, and uh, they they really 
they really uh, did a number on Arizona State, especially in the fourth quarter with just pounding the ball. And we'll get to that in a second because there's a major, major disagreement here. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Ryan and well, it's it's not. A I'm gonna let Ryan and Justin off the leash and let them. Well, let's, let's, let's not go out. right to the fourth quarter yet. No, no, no. Let's, let's not. Let's start with the fact that the game they, they started off um, really strongly. They were obviously prepared to play. You know, opening from the opening drive, they were the the more prepared um, team. They they jumped onto a lead. They never let the lead go. Braylon Allen ran really well in the first half. John um, Torchio with a key interception. Mm-hmm. The jewelry thief strikes yeah. again. Yep. I, I, it was to me like I know some some fans were were a little upset about it, but to me they looked like the better team, more prepared team, um, and they finished their season with with a really solid win in a bowl game. And I don't know what more you could ask for in a game against this. Like you weren't going to fix any major issues in this game. I guess is my my larger point. No, I mean we saw some like somebody had made I. I can't remember where I heard it said that this was kind of a microcosm of the entire season, which is true. We even on offensively, you know, we did score enough points to win, but we did struggle again to get the ball in the end zone when we had it when in our scoring op, scoring opportunities. Um, ugly turnover on the on the Mertz interception where he threw it behind a receiver. Now we got effectively the Mertz we've been seeing for the second half of the season. He was he's pretty efficient. Didn't really throw the ball up for grabs. Didn't really have, other than that pass being off the mark, didn't have a pass that you looked at and said, what are you thinking throwing that? So he's kind of cleaned up those types of things on the season. Um, the running game, it was great start to the game. I mean, he was, Braylon, you know, that big chunk run that he had was really impressive. And I kind of wish I he would have broke used the forearm. Yeah. Yep. As I was going to say, he's got to learn to throw that like a punch. It's got to be that you got to level that guy when he comes at you on that. Um, that's that's the difference between you and Derrick Henry. Is he's he's going to plant and a that few guy. other things. Like, well, I mean, but but that's the type of, of thing. Is he throw? Well, that's for sure. But I mean, like from the physicality standpoint, that's a that's a play where Henry just pummels that dude into the ground. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is he's a kid. He's he's got tons to learn yet at the running back position. Um, we really need to find him somebody to be, and I'm hopefully Malusi comes back full strength, but he really needs somebody to kind of take some of the load off of him so he can get his breathers. Cause I think the biggest thing I'm taking away from the ceiling this season is the difference between him and Jonathan Taylor is you can just keep feeding Taylor. Hey, back his- on topic here. We're not doing a season. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. What? <laughs> I will. I do. Anyways. I do agree though. Like uh, that, there, there is a point where, um, you know, Taylor or not Taylor, sorry, Allen Allen is going to grow from the from where he is now to where he's going to be in a year, in two years, and three years, where he's going to be straight shaking off that last tackle. Like a cornerback's not going to bring him down in two years, on the, on that long run. Oh yeah, for that, I will say this on Mertz really quick, just because you had mentioned Mertz had that one throw early in the game where um, he prior didn't run a great route. Mertz threw it behind him. Mertz also had a couple really nice throws in this game. Marcus Allen was a nice throw, yep. and he also really flashed. I thought his best throw was uh, that throw to the uh, 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 No, I was going to say to DK. Tyler Bell. To oh, DK, okay. actually. Where oh, that too. long 30-yard. Yep. Yeah. He took a See, big I... shot on that. He looked the field, scanned, made the, made the throw, um, and he got pummeled on that throw. So there was good – like you said, there was good and bad in this game for Mertz. I don't think anybody came out of this game saying, you know, Mertz looked great, though, and that's been a problem all year. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't got off that that plateau of is Mertz good enough? And this bowl game, 
it just kept us on that same plateau. And that's frustrating because we don't know if he's the answer, really. I think we really overvalued some of our wide receivers, too. Mm. Um, I, I, I really don't, I th- think Pryor was just a guy this year. I mean, he's, he's a fine number three receiver or whatever, but I don't see him as a guy that we ideally like to have in our top two. I think Davis is kind of the same thing. Like you ideally DK probably should have been the most featured wide receiver this year. Aside Athletic, from Fergie. Yeah, of course. Well, he's, he's obviously, he's the focal and- point. And by the way, Jake Ferguson with a with a good game and touchdown reception yep. in his final game as a Badger. Yep. So, kudos to Jake Ferguson. Uh, you know the the offensive line play in the in the bowl game was pretty much a microcosm again of of, of the season. Uh, first half they looked darn near close to dominant. Um, you know they were opening big holes for Braylon Allen. Wisconsin was rushing for a lot of yards in the first half. Second half, uh, until the fourth quarter, Wisconsin's offensive line just looked discombobulated. Mm-hmm. Guys were flying through. And uh, Arizona State made a really concerted effort to stop Braylon Allen. And the offensive line just really had no answers, even when they put in six, seven offensive mm-hmm. linemen. Uh, that was that was definitely, you know, something that we've seen this year, just inconsistency in general. Now, granted, they were missing two guys. You know, they were missing Joe Tipman. They were missing... Uh, Logan Bross, but um, yeah, that, that this, you're, you're right, Justin, this was sort of a microcosm of the whole season, you know, Wisconsin had to run, they, they didn't really have a, a great passing game. And when they really needed the passing game to work, a lot of times it, it, it misfired. Now, fortunately it, it hit enough that Wisconsin was able to get a touchdown through the air and, um, also benefit. We also benefited from the surprise appearance of uh, John Chanel, who was supposed to be out uh, due to COVID and flew in and uh, made a made a miraculous recovery and appeared in the game um, and scored a eight yard touchdown run on a run that didn't look like he should have gotten anything at all because he's really slow. But yeah, he pounded <laughs> it in there. Um, it was just it 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 was a disjointed effort. Um, I, I did, but we should probably talk about the, the drive that sealed it for Wisconsin at the end of the game, mm. because uh, mostly because I want to see uh, Justin and, and Ryan fight it out here. Um, but Wisconsin gets the out. ball. Wisconsin gets the ball with with roughly nine minutes left. <clears throat> and proceeds to march from their own three yard line down the field, get inside the five yard line and just let the clock run out, uh, thereby sealing the win over Arizona state, um, point counterpoint here. I'll, I'll start, I'll, I'll let, uh, Justin make his point first well, and then I'll let Ryan do the counterpoint here. To, to be fair, my, my view is different than some fans, which is just punch the ball in there at the end, because that is not my perspective on it. My perspective on this is running a drive like this is very, very risky in an end of game situation because you trying to run that clock like that and having that many plays, the odds of you making a mistake and blowing up the drive and giving the ball back to the other team with say five minutes left are are very high. It's not something that we could probably consistently do. It worked out this time. But the way the season has gone, would you would any of us have been shocked if that play would have blown up, say, at the 30-yard line, we end up having to give the ball up or the 40-yard line? 
I don't think any of us would have been. And it would have been like, this is where just being able to score and ice the game would have been so much more beneficial to us because then you're putting all the pressure back on the other team because they have to score. All right. Counterpoint, Ryan. I think in an ideal world, yes, score, score and, and ice the game. That's not our team. Like if, if we're talking about risk, to me, risky is giving the ball to Graham Mertz and having our throw game try to actually make something happen. I mean, if, if you can just lean on a team, this was an 18 play drive. This this was like if you could go back in history to 1237 BC and see a Roman army roll through a barbarian camp and they just have no chance and you just push them into the sea. I mean, there's there's a point where you just took the life out of the game and there's no reason to do anything risky because you don't have to. Now, you and I agree on at the bigger picture that changes the offense to be made. But in this game, in that moment, you well, tell me what's what's less risky, handing the ball off or letting Graham Mertz try to throw it. I think there's still something to be said there because we were we were only getting like two. Like people were acting like we had a dominant drive. We most definitely were not dominant on that drive. We were getting like two, three yards of carry for the bulk of it. 18 plays, 90 yards, 10 minutes is a dominant yeah. drive by just about any definition. It's not overly I efficient. Would... 18 plays. 90 yards in 10 minutes. I would I would posit this. Uh, would any coach in college football not named Lane Kiffin be upset with that drive to end the game? Well, no, you're not upset about it because you won the game. But I mean, like I'm, what I'm saying here is that you no coach wants to have to be that inefficient at moving the ball. Down but that, the that actually isn't inefficient, though, if you can run off 10 minutes, I guess is my point. Like. I, 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 here, I, I think I think we're arguing in, in some ways we're, we're actually kind of saying the same thing. Like you want to be able to be a more efficient, better offense. I'm saying we're not that efficient and we're not that good offensively. So this was the better resort. I, I think in some ways we're arguing the same thing yeah. in this game. I don't want to be throwing the ball when we're up and we're trying to run out the clock. To me, it's simpler just to run the ball and run out the clock. And Mertz still made a, a really big third down throw in this drive, by the way. But oh, he did. for the most part. If you can just run the ball and lean on them, fix the offense in the offseason. But for now, let's beat this friggin' team we should have beat back in what what Gary Anderson year was it? 2000. <laughs> oh man. 14. I don't even remember. 2000. The, the wounds are the wounds yeah, so are let's, raw. let's beat this freaking fork-tailed, dovetailed, whatever they are team with their 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 tridents <laughs> that they throw up. Let's let's crush their soul. Herm Edwards said it after the game. We couldn't get the ball back, and it's so frustrating. To me, to me, that was just to play in this game, but the bigger picture is, yeah, we still need to fix the offense. So I think in some ways we're saying the same thing. We're just looking yeah. at it a little differently. I, I agree. It's always nice to beat a Pac-12 I mean, team as well for Wisconsin because mm-hmm. we've had our struggles with them, and uh, especially in the bowl games. So to to get the win over over Arizona State and to, to get to nine wins. I mean, ideally, if you're if you're a top program as Wisconsin wants to be, your your floor is nine wins. And, you know, this, this qualifies as, as a, a pretty good year. It's obviously disappointing from a, uh, from a, the expectations of the preseason, but considering how bad our offense, our passing offense, look, nine wins is pretty good. I mean, um, nine wins the with the Minnesota team, loss hurts. That's what I'll the say. The Minnesota it's, it's loss hard. does hurt, but, the, but in the end, it's still, you know, even with a Minnesota loss, it was still a nine win season and Wisconsin handled their business in a bowl game as they should. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we can legitimately make an argument that Wisconsin's offense from a run game standpoint, isn't exactly a perfect creation either, because unless we have an elite back, 
it's not an elite run game. And that's, that's, you know, one of those other aspects, but that's something we'll get into at a later date to discuss. You can't rely on that to be something you can consistently fall on and be like, Hey, well, sure. We'll just roll the next stud back in there and then we'll be fine. Well, we did with Braylon Allen. We did. But that's, that's not, that's not something we you can count on, though, because you can't Belushi count on, wasn't but that we guy. keep doing it. I know, but it, it keeps happening. We're getting lucky, is what we need to we realize. So it's the golden funny. age. Because we've been getting lucky for 25 we have. years. Folks. We have, because, but but look at it. After the comparison while, that's of, of Chaz Malusi to Braylon Allen, Braylon Allen may never have seen the field. If, like, if we didn't do this, he might be playing defense right now if we didn't have need for running backs on this side. Yeah, he would be like Mike Singletary, too. He'd be a monster. I'm telling you, Braylon Allen at inside linebacker or whatever would be a monster, too. But oh, man, we've gone off the rails. We've gone off the rails. Linebacker, oh. linebacker or running back, he's he's going to end up in the NFL. He's a free all right, all right. position he plays. All right, final final thoughts. Um, let's let's all do one final thought, whatever it is, the basketball game, the football game, the, the news and notes, um, anything you got. One final thought there, Justin. Uh, my final thought is that the Badgers are going to be a team that very few teams want to play in the NCAA tournament. John. Wisconsin won another bowl game under Paul Christ, um, something they had trouble doing in the, at the end of the Barry Alvarez era and um, with, uh, with Brett Bielema. So, you know, kudos to, to Paul Christ for coming through after in a disappointing year and still getting nine wins. Um, I'm going to echo – I want to keep this basketball-related because we just beat Purdue. I'm going to echo what Justin said. I think this is looking like a Sweet 16 team. Like in, And once you get to there, yeah. who knows? But yeah, they have a chance to upset somebody. Anytime you have a guy like Johnny Davis on your team. Well, any, anytime you have talent? a guy like Davis on your team, mm. you have that kind of trump card if a game's tight. I'm People telling you. This. I'm telling People you this looks it? like a Sweet 16 team, and I'm oh all about God. it. I'm all about it. That's going to depend right, on matchups. But, yep. We appreciate everyone listening. As always, we we took a little bit longer to get this episode out, but it was holidays, it was Christmas, it was New Year's. Um, but we appreciate everyone that's listened and that continues to listen. We have a pretty steady um, base now. And, uh, yeah, just know that we appreciate it. I used to appreciate a lot, like yep. Paul Christ. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Peace out. Till next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Bucky cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.